Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to How to Keep Your Vagina Happy in Isolation, a three-part mini-series with me, Mika Simmons, and psychosexologist Kate Moyle. Whether you are single, in a relationship, together or apart, we will be discussing isolation romance, intimacy and sex, how to do it, how to do it safely and why, right now, it is so important. Kate, welcome back to The Happy Vagina. I know you are super busy at the moment, so thank you for your time. As I just mentioned, you are a psychosexologist. Can you just, I mean, I think that's the most fantastic name, description for a job. What exactly is that? So a psychosexologist or a sexologist is basically someone who specializes in working with human sexuality, kind of in a nutshell, which is accredited by the European Federation of Sexology and the European Society for Sexual Medicine. So I think it's so cool that there's a society for sexual medicine. It's very cool, isn't it? And what we did is we actually sat that. So there were psychologists and doctors sitting the course alongside each other. So we were learning the kind of um, crossover between the medical worlds and the psychological worlds. Interesting. Interesting. So it's a mixture of biology and, and, and psychology, really. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's so cool. I love it. You are also the sex expert for a really amazingly fantastic vibrator brand called Lilo, which is just so female, female empowerment friendly. Yeah, they're amazing. And they are um, a kind of high end sex toy brand. So not just vibrators, but sex toys for women and for men and for couples. And they're really innovative with their designs. So they're kind of constantly creating new products which are focusing on helping people with sexual pleasure and different kind of areas of sex and different types of stimulation. So they're a really, um, really exciting brand in that space to work in. That's very, very, very cool. I've had a good route around their website. (laughs) And you are obviously normally based in London seeing clients, but at the moment you're working virtually and we are, we've met virtually, haven't we, Kate? I mean, thank God for the internet at the moment. It's like top of my gratitude list. Internet, internet, internet. Thank you. Thank you for the internet right now. But we're, this is a new relationship that you and I are building over, over Wi-Fi. Yeah, we have built a new virtual relationship, I suppose, a bit like we're talking about today. But I think in a way it's, you know, so many of our working relationships particularly meet at least for the first time virtually a lot of the time at the moment. And kind of people reaching out to each other by email or text or um, Zoom mm. and conference calls. And it is, it's obviously never going to perfectly replicate the real thing, but it is a good enough kind of stand-in for the interim. It really is, isn't it? Which does bring us smoothly, as you've just mentioned, onto the topic du jour, which is virtual sex. 
If you are navigating a long distance relationship, whether by choice or you've been forced into one because of social distancing, or perhaps you're using this time to explore a new relationship via online dating, this episode is definitely for you. I mean, Kate, let's face it, virtual sex might be about to save a lot of relationships. A hundred percent, because the thing that it enables is people who are apart and we, you know, we see this with people in long distance relationships a lot of the time to maintain a sexual connection over distance. Yeah, a lot of people have been dependent on virtual sex for, uh, you know, uh, to, to maintain a long distance relationship. But for, for a lot of people, phone sex, video sex, or even sex texting, sexting could be a completely new thing. I mean, someone might have wanted to explore it and have ha- have a thought and not not know how to start, feel too shy to mention it to a long term partner. Or if, if I, like I said, if someone is online dating, it might feel a bit of a drastic option when you haven't met in person yet. And I, I suppose what I really want to know, Kate, is why do people get so scared to suggest new things sexually? I think it's the, you know, one of the biggest questions, particularly that kind of underlies a lot of my work. And one of the things that I often say to people is, the person that it's most difficult to talk to about sex is the person that you're having sex with. And I think it's because we are kind of not holding this model of sex as something easy and shame-free and taboo-free. It makes us feel kind of uncomfortable bringing it up a lot of the time. And so to then talk to someone that we are having sex with about doing something differently or changing it up or trying something together can invite the fear of rejection and the fear of shame or the fear of someone else's opinion about what we're suggesting and that might have a negative impact on us. Well let's face it the majority of human beings in this part of the world early year experiences of let's say self-pleasure would have been being told to stop by a parent or a grandparent or by someone around them because we have this sort of sexual childhood drive where we're exploring our body and I think the adults get frightened if they see it and they shut us down. And and there, in my opinion, the shame begins. Oh, 100%. And we know that sexual development, you know, starts, God, that is, you know, in children kind of, in children when they're really young, that sexual development is something that happens across our lifetimes throughout childhood. Now, what children might be doing if they're kind of touching themselves is, thinking that it feels good but they learn the shame they kind of pick it up from everybody else's reactions and it's actually just a part of normal exploration and there's lots of research and lots of papers to suggest that Mm. aside from obviously the long deep-rooted history around sex and sexuality being shamed in 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 biblical texts in religious texts and just not being seen as something that we should be open about or free with and and no understanding of the uniqueness of every human being so there's kind of a lot of generalization that goes on i i feel in terms of sexual activity I think there is so much generalization. I think one of the tricky things about sex, or one of the trickiest things about sex, and actually I was writing something about this um, just yesterday, is it's kind of weirdly both universal and individual at the same time. So, mm. you know, there are multiple ways that people can have sex, but we kind of all do the same thing of sorts, or our bodies all fit together in similar kind of ways, but and they function similar kind of ways, but there is also within that universe universality a complete 
individual kind of wants, needs, likes, um, functioning level for every person. Mm -hmm. And then within relationships, you have however many people are in that relationship's individual Mm -hmm. experiences as well. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of general versus the individual. I mean, probably the majority of us learn sex via film or television, which is obviously kind of the Hollywood version of it, or, or, or through porn, which is, if it's not handled in the right way, um, can have a massive impact on the way that you perceive intimacy, sensuality to be, you know, and you've got these two extremes, so you don't ever really um, find your own sexuality outside of that. And I, I think that that's, you know, it's particularly kind of people who grew up with the internet, you know, the, the visualizations that we see are unrealistic. And so if no one is correcting us because the conversations around sex aren't happening and sex is a taboo subject and we don't feel we can ask questions, then we kind of accept the versions that we see. And then we go to have sex for the first time and those things feel very far apart from each other. And I think that there is, that is problematic. We have, we have a gap there and it's about kind of understanding what the reality of that situation would look like. Which yeah, because porn and film is kind of perfect, isn't it? Like everything happens at the same time, at the right time, fits in the right way. And, 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 and the reality of sex, which you've talked about a lot on these, on these podcasts, is that, you know, it's messy and it, and it doesn't always work out and, and it comes and it goes. Sorry, pardon the pun. But... <laughs> yeah, but I think also, you know, pornography is, is not all bad. You know, I'm not remotely coming to this from a kind of anti-pornography um, perspective, but it was not designed to be an education tool. It was designed to arouse. And mm. people that make pornography, that's what they're trying to do. They're, des- they're trying to arouse people or they're trying to kind of provide a platform to create that for people. And I think we are seeing a kind of wave of more um, kind of real couples and platforms like Make Love Not Porn um, and kind of more educational things coming through slowly but surely. And there is a rise in more feminist pornography. But lots of people their first experiences won't be with those kind of more tailored sites they'll be with the first thing that comes up on google Mm, but the future is bright isn't it yeah it is so people get get frightened to share to be real to 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 ask for what they want and and virtual sex might be something completely new to a human being but you know you're away from your partner what what tools would you suggest that someone could use for themselves personally to get over the psychological fear of suggesting it? I think the thing that I would say to people is if you're engaged already in a sexual relationship with someone, then Mm. it's something new for you to explore together. So the focus Mm. is on something that you're doing together. It's a shared experience because you enjoy the sex that you've been having together so much or the experiences you've had together so much or you feel that you want to try this together and I think in that way it comes across as non-threatening you know it's a the Mm. focus on a shared experience communication although obviously I'm a therapist I'm going to say that is always going to be the key to approaching any kind of conversation like this and what I would say is also if you want to have a conversation with your partner about trying something new about any aspect of your sex life the best time to have it is not kind of before during or after sex it's in Mm. a a more neutral kind of space but that's a great suggestion so if you do want to do something new anything new particularly during this period of lockdown but at any time in your relationship don't do it before during or after 
No, because the thing is, is then what it does is it can impact that particular situation. Or if it's straight after, then, you know, you might leave your partner with the sense of, okay, well, is that what they were thinking during? If you if you talk about it just before, then there's the pressure to kind of do it then and there. And actually, mm-hmm. it's best to kind of approach it as you would any other com- conversation about something else in your relationship or, um, you know, something new for you to explore. And I think that it's really exciting to be able to mm. take your relationship into the next steps and that instead of jumping into the deep end there are plenty of ways that people can gradually introduce new things mm, mm, mm. speaking of different ways that we can have long distance sex obviously there's sexting which is a, a great way to build anticipation but the two main ways to have a long distance sexual experience with someone would be either on the phone or over video and I know this might sound like an obvious question, but I think what I'd really love to know, Kay, is what do you think the difference is between an audio long distance sexual experience and a video? And not so much the what the difference is, but what the difference of the impact might be on the couple. I think the impact, you know, I, I wouldn't actually kind of know how to answer that. But I think that if it was them exploring something new together and it felt good for them, then the impact of either could be positive. Um, Why would someone choose one over the other? I think it depends on how willing or comfortable you feel kind of putting yourself out there. Some people might feel that, for example, putting themselves out there on video is quite a different experience. Um, Lots of people might not like the idea of being able to see themselves if they're on video and that might detract from the pleasure of the experience that they're having because they're more focused on how they look or how they appear to their partner or what their partner might be thinking about how they look and I think you know particularly we see that body confidence is something that impacts people's sex lives a lot so I think that considering what might work better for you for given where you are right now that might be something that you might want to hold in mind now other people might prefer to have the visual prompt because that might make them feel more relaxed that they have kind of more there rather than just relying on talking or texting and I think that texting could be is probably the the introductory step and it's it it takes away the kind of face-to-face interaction but also the non-verbal and verbal cues of hearing someone speak or hearing their breath change or a kind of silence And so all of the kind of um, platforms or mediums, I suppose, have a different, have different sets of pros and cons. Mm -hmm. I think um, for me, it's one of the deepest heartbreaks in life, the amount of self-hatred we have for ourselves as human beings in terms of our body image. I, I, I just think it's, it's devastating that the, and again, it's about images. I think that we, it's, it's, I mean, there's a wonderful book by Naomi Wolf, The Beauty Myth, which was out in the 90s, which I still, it's a bit dated in some of its context, but um, it's still really relevant today. Uh, and, and, and actually, what we see is a rise in men having body confidence issues over the last 10 to 15 years. But the images from the media and the pressure on us to look a certain way and, and, and sex is so much more. I feel it's just a great tragedy because our, our bodies, you know, they're, they're our vessel. They're amazing. It, it, you know, I, I, wish we, I wish we valued them more 
exactly as they are. But I would put my hands up and say that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that has struggled with it. And um, I haven't tried video sex. I've tried audio phone sex and I, and I really enjoy it because I've got such a great imagination. But um, what we're really talking about here, let's get real, is self-pleasure to a certain extent, I would suggest, because whether it be phone or video, you know, if your partner can't be in the room with you, you're going to be touching yourself erotically. And I think one of the really interesting things around that is, and it may be something that you already do in your relationship. So it might be that within your sexual relationship, when you're together, that you already self-pleasure within your sexual activity. But there are also a lot of women who have never self-pleasured. And I know that we've touched on this a bit in the singles episode, but what tools would you recommend? I think if she's preparing herself to have virtual sex and it's something that she's doing kind of outside of um, exploring that with a partner, is exploring it on your own first always helps you to feel more comfortable. It takes away a layer of the kind of not knowing or the I'm not sure. Um, And when you're on your own, there's no pressure, there's no expectation, there's no anyone else to think about. So the thing that I would be saying to people is, if they're new to kind of self-pleasuring, is definitely try things on your own first, get to know your body a bit better, get to know what feels good, where you might be more responsive. Obviously, we are all individual in kind of our preferences for pressure or speed or sensation, even though our bodies are built kind of in fairly similar ways. Um, lubricant is something that I always offer to women the vagina Mm. self lubricates but that means that you if you have extra lubricant it can completely change the sensation of what you're doing and the um, external part of the clitoris is not situated within the walls of the vagina so it's not in that kind of self lubricating pace Mm. Um, Mm. the other thing that you might want to try and again it's something you should discuss with partners rather than just kind of popping it onto the video is um if you want sex toys to be a part of that. So sex toys are brilliant. Obviously, I'm going to recommend Lilo, as we were talking about earlier, because I work with them. But um, including sex toys as a part of that can offer something completely different. You know, a toy that vibrates can do something completely, um, can create a completely alternative sensation to your own hands. Well, especially if you don't have your partner in the room with you and you're used to having, you know, them there to to touch you, having a sex toy could actually be obviously not 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 a not an amazing replacement, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. And I think it's it's all about the experience that you want to have. And sometimes you might choose not to use sex toys and sometimes you choose to use them. And I think there is such an enormous variety of them nowadays. It it's completely down to personal preference. I just want to come back to a conversation quickly that we were having, Kate, about teledildronics as we're talking about sex toys, because this is an, a new thing that I've discovered, which is sex toys that are linked via Wi-Fi. Yeah, so they are um, kind of the sensations, I suppose, are communicated over a data link or um, the the kind of so what the best way to describe it is both partners might have a corresponding sex toy. Um, which they're using for remote sex. So, for example, couples in long-distance relationships. And what they can do is those sex toys can communicate with each other, so to speak, over Wi-Fi or um, a data link or over a network where they can move at the same time. So it mimics 
sex as closely as possible and you're both having the same experience at the same time. And would you use those on the phone or on a video? Okay. Again, completely kind of personal preference. It would be, um, for example, like a, a female partner, if it's a heterosexual relationship, might have a dildo and or a kind of vibrator and a male partner might have a kind of masturbation sleeve. And so they would move at the same time to simulate the feeling of sex because both partners are having the same stimulation at the same time. I just think that's amazing and I'm absolutely dying to try it out. Also, I I know that they're now making avatars that potentially replicate your partner. So if your partner's not there, you can have sex with an avatar that is you but not you. I think virtual reality pornography, which is kind of what you're talking about, which is, um, you know, we most often think of VR as kind of people wearing headsets, um, is, is going to be kind of integrated into the future of pornography because it's, Again, it gets it takes you a step closer to having a sexual experience with another person without having a sexual experience with another person with them being kind of directly in front of you and you physically having sex together. So I mean it's so exciting. Yeah, it, it's in it's very um interesting and I'll be really interested to see the way that things go, but these are definitely the topics that people are talking about about the kind of future of pornography, the future of sex. I don't think they'll ever replace human contact, but I find it very exciting and I can't wait to try it all. Let's get back to the now because we've jumped into the future. Um, the million dollar question, Kate, is partner or a recently new partner. You can't have sex physically at the moment and you want to try virtual sex. How do you suggest it? The first thing I'm going to say is suggest it kind of at a time when you guys are talking about stuff or you in an in a positively framed way so I think it would be fun for us to try this together now communication here is going to be key and if you um, approach your partner with a our sex life has got boring because you never do this or because I want to do that or what you're going to be met with is defense kind of defensive or attacking behaviors so going in with a positive you know, oh, I really missed the sex we were having, or I really enjoy being sexual with you. Starting with a positive is a really good way of framing that conversation. Now, lots of mm. people might feel challenged to kind of have that conversation with their partner seemingly out of the blue. So it mm. might be useful to use a prompt like this podcast or uh, an article. <laughs> or something I love that question. <laughs> <laughs> or something that they've something that they've read so you know oh I read a really interesting article about sexting or shall I send it to you or you could send it to your partner and be like sounds interesting or this sounds fun and I think mm-hmm. using those prompts to um help you get started are really useful mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. I think it's about you guys having a shared experience together now also going in with an expectation of like, right, this is exactly what my partner's going to say. And that's the answer they're going to give. Great. Could be potentially damaging for you because that you're going to feel disappointed if they don't say that. And what you have to also respect is that everyone has their own sexual preferences and desires. Um, and it might not be for them. And if mm. you guys are talking about it openly, you can say, okay, what is it about it that makes you feel nervous? Or what is it about it that makes you feel like you don't want to try it or what is it about it that you're really excited about and what you might be able to find is a different way of you guys doing it together that works for both of you ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mm, I love that. So basically, kind of keep your expectations. I'm going to use the word low, but it doesn't feel like quite the right word. And stay open-minded. And then also, actually, what I loved about you're, what you were just saying then, Kate, is that um, you were also giving some tips on how to handle it if someone asks you, you know, so ask questions. Like, you know, so funny, isn't it, how we, we forget that it's okay to continue a conversation, particularly when it's around difficult subjects like like money or, or sex or family, you know, rather than ask questions, someone asks something and then it kind of like just shuts down. Yeah, and I think the thing is, is it has to be an ongoing dialogue because, also, mm-hmm. what you guys might do is you might try it and have both been really excited about it and it not worked. And you need to both mm-hmm. laugh it off and say, oh, you know, that didn't go that well, didn't it? Or shall we try it again? But it was different. And I think mm-hmm. we get so serious when it comes to sex because we don't have this open dialogue and it kind of holds this more um, kind of taboo space. And because we don't talk about it like we do everything else, then as soon as it comes up, everyone kind of tenses up a bit. And actually what we're trying to mm-hmm. do is take some of those negative feelings away and Mm -hmm. if the two of you are able to discuss it and negotiate or get to a place where you both feel excited about it and that you've worked through that you'll actually have a better time because you look you won't be thinking oh what was my partner thinking or what do they think about that or they've gone quiet or because Mm -hmm. you've already kind of done some of the clearing up at the front end and I guess you know that they're they're 100% on board with the experience too. So there's no kind of little paranoia thought in your head. I mean, sex is scary, isn't it? I, it's it's crazy that it is, but it is. Let's just keep it real. If someone says no, because their fear around trying something new is too much for them, um, particularly during this period in isolation when you can't be in the room with someone and connect and have a hug afterwards, if you've been rejected once you because I think rejection is really the thing that keeps us so much in fear Mm. how do you what would be your suggestions around how to handle your emotions or your rejection around it when you can't see that person and hold them I think you just have to kind of be honest with each other and say okay you know like I would have liked us to try it but I completely understand that it's not for you and I love you so I'm not going to push you to do something that isn't for you yeah, I think mm. it, or maybe just say, you know what, not not today, but we can keep talking about it. Hundred percent, you know, and that's what I said earlier when I meant, it, you know, it's an ongoing conversation. Is someone you've also got to think, you know, if you approach your partner and you've said this, you've think you've been thinking about it, but it's the first time they've heard it. I mean, they might mm. be thinking about it, but it's the first time they've heard it from you, so it's new information for them. And sometimes people just need a bit of time to go over things. Mm. Mm. And what you've also got to think about is what you don't know is that they haven't had a negative experience of this in the past or they tried it with their mm. partner and it went completely wrong and so they're hesitant to do it again because they don't want the relationship to 
suffer or um, they had a best friend who um, had you know had a really bad experience and they kind of remember that and they're like oh I never want to be that person and so I think that it's not just the content of that conversation the content of that relates to lots of different parts of our lives the history, the mm. history, always being respectful of the history. I think one of the things for me in terms of managing emotions when I'm separate from someone at the moment is also to bring my mind and my heart back to the things that are positive about it because rejection can be hard to process, especially when we're in isolation. And just, you know, make a list of the things that um, that connect you with that person so that you don't stay stuck in the feelings around you know putting yourself out there being vulnerable saying hey I'd like to try this and then it and then it not it not not going down so well um now Kate we've been talking about long-term partnerships as we discussed in our singles episodes people are still online dating during lockdown according to a 2020 YouGov poll 13% of British adults met on a dating app or online platform last year so not surprisingly it is surging at the moment and according to dating site okcupid the number of people connecting over video chat has surged in recent recent weeks has surged in recent weeks with 26% of its users now speaking over video Bumble reported the same, which obviously Bumble is the one that lets women send the first message and the video calls have gone up by 21%. Hinge, 70% of their users are saying they're planning to try virtual dating. I mean, I just love the fact that this is happening during lockdown. And women have been sharing really heartwarming stories with me about their first dates. They've been cooking together over house party or reading poetry to each other on Zoom. It's just a beautiful thing. I keep getting messages about it. So, your online dating is going really well, but you've never met. There's definitely a connection. You're both reliable, shared interests, loves and ambitions, and now you are ready to connect sexually. How would you start a sexual relationship with someone online that you've never met? Oh, there's no um, right answer to this question. I think that's the really tricky thing because it's the it's the one that everybody wants to know the answer to at the moment as well. And I think how to have good how to have good virtual sets with no one someone you've never met. Yeah, because I think, you know, especially if things have been going well and you've decided you want to take it to the next step, you're going to have all of those first time nerves as you would about kind of seeing someone or um being with someone sexually in person for the first time. And I think that holding kind of the thoughts in mind that you wouldn't do anything that you wouldn't do in person is always a good place to start. I think Mm-hmm. Um, it might be that you start kind of flirtily texting each other or sending each other like a flirty text or um, I think holding on to the idea of rejection being really scary and not really throwing yourself into it is a good one because what you'll then do is doubt that you kind of went too far too quickly and that was what it was about even if it isn't the case mm-hmm. um, so I think looking after yourself is really important I think um kind of seeing how things go test the waters that you know is it that you try sexting first and if that goes well then you move to phone sex or you start with phone sex because you like the sound of their voice or and then you move on to things I think there's no kind of right or wrong answer but making sure you feel comfortable and that you've kind of had a chat with your partner about taking things to this next step before Mm. I think the thing Mm. is, is when we jump into things we suddenly once we're in it and if our kind of minds kick into gear then we can't stop thinking about it. And we know that distraction is one of the biggest inhibitors of people enjoying sexual experiences. And Mm -hmm. so you don't want to have 
those thoughts kind of going around your head you want to be focused on the sensuality that you're having in your body and the sensations that you're having in your body and I suppose to be honest with you if you're I mean for me I it, I didn't get on with online dating I'm, I'm a real energy person I need to be with someone I'm very tactile and it's not for me but for those of that it is for I guess if you're online dating and it's going well you're kind of already flirting because you're at the start of a relationship albeit you're not in the same room yeah 100 percent. and I think you know good on people for virtual dating at the moment because we don't know how long this is going to go on for or how long it's going to put a pause on things and mm. why should people kind of not be exploring something that they can do online as long as they're doing it safely mm-hmm. so you've had a sexual experience with someone that you've never met in real life I think having sex for the first time is quite scary personally. Like, I I mean, uh, I'm not scared before it, but the level of vulnerability it takes to share your body with someone, especially if you've had many times of being hurt in the past and, you know, you you may have uh, allowed uh, someone to come into your energetic field and then it not worked out or whatever the thing is. So you've had online sex with someone that you've never met. And what if afterwards for you negative feelings come up should you share those with your new partner or do you think you should speak to someone outside of it and process it on your own in order to keep the relationship to protect the newness of the relationship I think it's about whether you just feel uncomfortable about the whole experience or you feel that um it just didn't work for you or you're like actually I just it didn't kind of give me what I was hoping for or is it about something specific that you did or said I think there's a kind of difference between those things and ah, I think if there's a specific yeah. you know which was actually yeah. I really didn't like being on camera I'd prefer it if we stuck to phone sex you know that's something an easy conversation you can have with a partner um, yeah and just be like look it really didn't work for me or it didn't feel good for me you know every good sexual relationship has to be a legal but be consensual so consent being um at kind of critical to every sexual interaction and if you are feeling uncomfortable about something you shouldn't be putting yourself in a situation to do it again unless you are open to exploring to doing things differently um so what it sounds to me like is you're saying that 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 you should kind of like try and have an understanding about whether it's these circumstances as in having some form of virtual sex and that you might need to talk to your partner about that about whether it actually works for you or if it's triggering something inside of you that you might want to go and look at yourself as to why that's happening i mean maybe but also we just don't all like the same things you know we don't like everything sexually we're not going to be completely perfectly matched with our partners for every aspect of our lives so actually if your partner's like oh I had a really good time and you're like oh it didn't really work for me Mm. sometimes that's just individual differences and Mm. I think that you know you're putting yourself again in the situation that you don't feel comfortable in or didn't sexually enjoy or didn't feel kind of able to let go in I think you've got to think about why you're doing that or is there another way that you can do it or is there another way that you can build a sexual relationship with this person that works for both of you Mm. what I feel like you've just touched on and we're running out of time which I'm so sad about but it feels like you've just touched on keeping yourself safe and as we know thanks to sex education revenge porn is actually illegal revenge porn being if you have a video or or send a photograph of yourself to someone and they then share that online during or after the relationship without your permission that is it is now illegal isn't it Kate yeah it is it is now um, punishable by law 
And what and what um what would be your suggestion? So that's kind of that's the bit that I know. But in your field, what would be your key suggestions for people to keep themselves safe sexually in a virtual relationship, whether it be with a long term partner or or new? Yeah. And I think the thing um, about revenge pornography is that the images are most often maliciously shared and without consent. So those are the critical factors. And I think that the difference is when they are shared between partners, the majority of the time that is done with consent. And then once they are um, shared by an ex-partner or a partner without consent, so outside of the relationship, that's where that's where it becomes kind of revenge pornography and then becomes a problem. And mm-hmm. I think that people should be aware that, you know, those those cases will be taken seriously. I think a lot of the time people fear that because they shared the photos in the first place, that they in some way kind of gave permission to their partners, but they didn't give permission to that person to to kind of share that content outside of the relationship. Um the advice I actually that- do have just 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 to to be really specific here it is being taken very seriously someone i know came out of a relationship and um in a spiteful way shared a photograph of that person naked and has been it's been taken taken up by the police good and i it's think really it's- really this, this was not even a a sexual act being uh displayed in the image it was merely a picture of the person who was naked at the time and it was done in a spiteful way and the intention of that is to kind of hurt that person or to cause kind of damage to their life in some way and I think you know well shame them and shame and you know these cases are being taken seriously but I think that still a lot of it is kept behind closed doors and the impact of something like revenge pornography is massive to people's lives and self-esteem and confidence and future relationships and their sex lives and their careers and you know there are the kind of impact is so massive on a personal Mm. level um Mm. but I think you know the advice that we um you know as professionals and you can read on forums and on guidelines is if you're sending those images which within relationships is if you are worried or you want to be overcautious you know don't put your face in those images so that um they can't be kind of directly um seen to be you and I think that that's something that if you are feeling cautious or it's something that is new to you or um, that you're trying for the first time, then doing that mm. adds a safety net to you in some way. Obviously, you are still sending those photos to someone else, but you know that they aren't kind of instantly identifiable as you. Mm, so you can, so so just keep yourself really safe by staying anonymous actually and also I think the thing that I've picked up mostly from this episode which I've loved is don't do anything that you don't want to but if you are up for it if you've listened to this episode and like right I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a go Kate can you give our listeners your five top tips for a healthy spicy virtual sex life yes yeah, so number one um would as I always say, the um, communication. So communication, communication, <laughs> communication is lubrication. Um, <laughs> talking. Oh, to no, you. I love that. <laughs> lubrication. Um, so talking to your partner, like talk to them about it before, because sometimes you know if we're not expecting something and then it kind of comes into the conversation, you might catch them off guard. It doesn't mean they're not interested. It might just be that you know a minute ago you were talking about spreadsheets that you had to do for work, and then suddenly you're kind of talking about 
um, having a sexual experience together and that might be a bit of a shock to them. I think mm. checking it out with your partners, making sure that you're all on board is a really good thing. And the second thing would don't be do anything that you wouldn't feel comfortable doing in real life because you are mm. sharing your data and your information and potentially images. And so making sure that you feel safe and comfortable is a really important thing. Um, number three, I would say is for inspiration, um, listen to things like audio erotica. So I really like Dipsy Stories, but also Furly, I think is an amazing app and they have sensual stories um, and exercises as a part of that. And I think that what that can help you to do is to hear other people talking in a more sexual way and to start to feel more comfortable with it and give you a bit of inspiration. Um, my fourth point would be if you are looking for something to get started, then something like a prompt to jump off like exploring a sexual experience that you guys had together is a really good way of getting started so talking to each other about your favorite time that you had sex or an amazing sexual experience for example when you were on holiday or um if you had like great sex after being at a party together or something like that so what that offers you is a way of describing sex with that person and that's a really good way of you both kind of being able to imagine what that was like because you were both there and kind of go so you're tapping into a hot shared experience mm. and the thing is is it's about each other so in a way it can help to for people who are feeling that this is kind of expanding their comfort zone a bit to, as a reminder that it's still something kind of private between the two of you mm. um, and I think my fifth point would be you know if you guys try it and you're expecting it to be wonderful and it isn't wonderful and it doesn't work, just laugh it off, you know, enjoy having tried something new together and don't take it too seriously. Let it go. And also, can I just add to that? If you like get going and and it's kind of stops, I've learned this from you, Kate, like let's say you start, it's hot and then suddenly you end up talking about the queue at Tesco's, that's fine too. Totally fine because it's not a Hollywood movie. You know, our lives are not perfect. They're not... Um, streamlined everything doesn't always go right and our sex lives in person you know real life uh, person to person don't always go perfectly either and I think there's accepting that there's a normality in things not always being kind of wonderful and simultaneously organizing orgasming and perfect yeah of course it would be insane if sex and relationships were a fumbly mess of ups and downs in real life and they weren't virtually that would be weird if they were just so much easier virtually. And I just, you know, talking is so important, isn't it? I, I just listening to your top five, which I loved all of them. There's this expression that I've, I've got in my head, which is difficult conversations save relationships. And I think really that's the key, isn't it? Communication is lubrication and difficult conversations save relationships. They really do. And I think the thing is, is, in relationships the best relationships are where people feel comfortable enough to express themselves openly and mm. it, it's even more challenging to do that when it comes to sex and we are kind of I hope hosting these conversations with the hope of helping people to make that a bit easier or giving them a bit more permission to try things but I think yes. understanding that this is not easy stuff and we aren't taught it we don't have lessons about how to manage sex lives and relationships and it's okay to feel a bit nervous about it, but also talk to your partner about that as well. Be brave, be brave, be scared, be brave. 
Kate, thank you so much for coming on The Happy Vagina, giving us your time and sharing all of your wisdom. I love talking to you. Well, thank you so much, Mika. I've really enjoyed these conversations. I hope that people have found them useful. 